Is he a giant man with a giant boomerang? Uh, does he have a mohawk? Does he carry a large gun? I don't know. But what I do know is he's got a $60 billion double dollar bounty on his head. And I'm talking about Vash the Stampede, the star of the hit anime Trigun. And we're going to talk about it this week on Shonen and Suds. Cody! Welcome back, buddy. What's going on, man? Not much, my friend. We are back again. Uh, you know, host my hero. You know, we're a little, little, little bit longer during uh, recording this time because you know, obviously, we had to record the last episode early, so we didn't forget the that that shit show that we watched. Right. Yeah, we had a little bit more time to to spend with Trigun. Well, the first thirteen episodes, at least. Which, thank goodness, Chris, because this is this is kind of a slow burn to get through, honestly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think it's aged as well. Like, I think I remember the characters a lot more fondly. I think this might be another anime after going back and watching it that I enjoy more through rose-colored lenses. Um, not to say it's bad. This is this is probably still one of the better shows we've watched in uh, the, uh in twenty twenty one. Um, but we we knew that going into it. Like, we knew there was at least a certain level of quality you know going into this one but yeah like i honestly cody had not watched this in a while like it's been a long while maybe i think i've said it before i think it's been like 10 15 years since i've seen trigon but i i still love the characters and they they resonate with me like i i i love the design i love the comedy um the animation definitely doesn't hold up as like it used to um i think for the time you know we're going back to like late 90s early 2000s I feel like anime was very much at a crossroads where like the quality was getting better. The voice acting was definitely getting better. And I love the voice acting here. Um, but then like, it just seemed to get better and better. So like when we go back and look at this from like 98, it doesn't look that great all the time, but like when it's good, it's good. And like the comedic, like, you know, you know how it is with anime when they, when they do the comedy bit, they get like the big eyes, the big head, the big noggin bump, you know, the big mouth, the wavy line, you know, that shit. Mm -hmm. um that that stuff all still works here um so th there's a lot of good but i think the story you know this is a story that worked 25 years ago right i think i think storytelling has just come so much farther since yeah i i honestly didn't have any issues with like the animation or anything really uh my only issue was just i was bored um yeah this is my third time watching i haven't watched it in probably in like four years five years maybe mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's just, it's one of those shows that I probably, like, after I watch it this time, I probably won't watch it maybe ever again. Like, I might throw on Badlands Rumble or something. Lock just, it in the Disney vault forever, huh? Yeah, yeah, just if I need, like, a little, like, a little, like, uh, just a little mm -hmm. glimpse of Ash the Stampede. But, you know, I, honestly, I think the character, like, I, I like you said, looking back on it with rose-colored glasses, I just remember the character being great, and he still is. It's just the, yeah. sh the show around him, at least the first 13 episodes, are pretty just boring it it's it is it is kind of boring like and, and it follows a very like similar formula to like samurai shampoo and cowboy bebop i guess this is just this was the way to do anime in like the late 90s right yeah. so which which, the, like, which there's nothing wrong with that like these these shows sure. like you know they pave the way for all the other shows to to come through Agreed. but but like although i will say like going forward in trigun we do get a lot more like storyline whereas mm -hmm. In Bebop, I kind of wish we got a little bit more. Trigon, I still wish mm -hmm. we got more, but Trigon at least shows some us some glimpses of like 
you know, like, oh, who's this mysterious character in the shadows that's hiring all these guys? Like, you know, like, I don't know. I just want more no, storyline out of a good point. all three of these shows. And Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the first half, it does kind of follow. And, and we'll, you know, we'll obviously dive in when we dive in, but, like, it does follow very much a movie of the, like, you know, bad guy of the week. Ep- I mean, clearly it's episodic, but there's, like, a small contained story basically every episode though there is a little midpoint here where they're in like the same area for a few episodes but it's still like a different bad guy that they have to face so while the location's the same there it's still a bad guy of the week and there's like a two-parter uh that's in the first half which is probably the the highlight of the first half honestly and i'm talking about the uh the brilliance dynamite neon episode which is Still, like, that's still one of my favorite anime characters to this day, because I love the design. He feels almost like a fucking JoJo character, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe, like, the the way they do these episodes back then, like, you could t- tune into any episode of, like, Trigun or Bebop or Shampoo and kind of understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Like, you're not... Yep. Like, you're not wondering, like, oh, what's going on here? Like, like you can... Yeah, maybe this maybe, guy, maybe, what did I miss? Maybe that's why they were made like this, because, like, you know, now if you turn on, like, you know, Adult Swim on a... <clears throat> excuse me, on a Saturday night or something, like, you're going to come in the middle of, like, Naruto episode, like, 350, and you're going to you're not going to know anything that's going on, right? Yeah, so I guess that, I guess that's a great, you know, way to put it, Cody. I think, I feel like these are shows that, you know, existed, and I guess maybe this is something to think about as we go back and look at older stuff. These are shows that existed before the Netflix diet, like, before binging was even possible. So... Right. Like maybe there, maybe that was purposefully done. That's you know, and you know, and maybe that ha- it probably has. I'm sure there's research out there. I'm sure people have written stuff on it. But like, I feel like the dynamic of TV shows probably has changed due to the fact that now everything you know, we're on that want to watch it all in one sitting kind of mindset. Like, we don't want to watch an episode and get left off and then have to wait a week to come back to it, right? Like even now when shows on Netflix and Hulu. Or like, here's the first three episodes up front, then you gotta wait each week. A lot of people just wait till the end. Like, well, fuck it, when's the season over? That's what I did with, like, Mandalorian Season 2. It was like, oh, there's, like, two episodes left? I will just wait and, you know, watch it all, you know, when the time comes. Yeah, we, we definitely got... We're, we're spoiled nowadays, Chris. And yeah. uh, I think, uh, uh, yeah, it, I wonder how that shook up just, like, you know, the TV, like, make, like just making television shows in general. Yeah. Like... Because I remember, like, That's waiting every week for, like, the new episode of Prison Break to come out and, like, watch it actually, uh-huh. like, live on Fox. And now I can just mm-hmm. binge watch whatever season I want, wherever I want. Um, yeah. It just, That's a neat thing to think about. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see how, how the times have changed. But, uh, so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll cut Trigon a little slack. You know, it, it came out, it came out back when, you know, you, if you tuned in or if you missed a week, you wouldn't be too far behind. Indeed, the times they are a change, and of course, that's just our way of saying hello and welcome back to Shonen and Suds. I'm your host, Chris Adams. And I'm Cody Snodgrass. And um, yeah, so again, we, like you said, we're talking about Trigun, we've already talked a lot about it, um, and I, I guess I've put it off long enough, Cody. Um, I'm parched, and I'm not excited, but I need to know, I, I mean, I know, and you're not excited about it either, but the people <laughs> want to know. What are we drinking? All right, Chris. Well, 
I, I've got mine open. So oh, you already like, got yours do open. We, do we, yeah. Do we? We're we're drinking the same thing. So here, I'll just I'll, we'll just announce it first. This is the Bud Light yeah. Seltzer Maple Pear from the whatever this holiday pack's called. I don't the flannel. Like it smells great. Yeah. Get a get a nice whiff. Smells like maple syrup. It smells like Buddy the Elf. Like like Will Ferrell <laughs> is just in the can. <laughs> but go ahead and take yourself a sip of this, Chris. Just tell me what you think. Cody, that's just bubbly maple syrup. Where's the pear? Where's the pear? Chris, that's why I thought this was going to be the best flavor out of the thing. I saw pear, and I was like, oh, pear, that sounds kind of good. Where's the pear? And I don't even... What is a maple pear? I, I, these are things that I've never put... I've never put these things together. So you're, you're having slices of pear with your pancakes, and whoops! Oh no, it slipped into the syrup. That's a maple pear. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, it is, and it gets worse the more you drink. I mean, it is just—it's it, just not good. Like, do you just have to chug it, and that's like that's what you do, or? Oh, I, I no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not finishing that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I might have another, I might have another sip or two in me. I, I wish we could, like, if we're in the same room, we could have totally just like split one of these or split a quarter of it and thrown half of it away. Yeah, and just go grab some regular beers like, like normal humans. But uh, yes, yeah, this entire Bud Light flannel pack, it's like, um, it's just rough. Like, I don't think next year I'll buy the the holiday whatever they do next year. Like, I'm good. Dude, this is that shit that sits in your fridge for six months, and then when you have people over, like you're like, "Hey, I got so, I got this this flavored seltzer shit in the fridge." Do you or this is the stuff you take over to a party and you fucking leave it, but you purposely <laughs> flight it to the back of the person's fridge that you're going over to that their house, and you just like, "Oh, hey, did you grab your beer?" Nope, uh, it's all gone. It's all gone. Bye. Yeah, and this is your first flavor out of the box, right? You've only had oh, this one. Oh, it is, and oh man, it's all it's all downhill from here, huh? Well, well, I haven't had the pumpkin one, but I mean, I don't like pumpkin at all, so. Mm-hmm. But we'll have the pumpkin one next week, and then after that, Chris, I would say try the apple, and then maybe take a sip of the marshmallow. Like you'll like the apple. The apple is bearable. I drink those. Okay. Three. Um, marshmallow, just no, just no. Like I don't, I don't want a chewed up spore. <laughs> chewed up s'more, excuse me, like mixed with water, and, like poured back into the can. Like it is just, just not, yeah. not, not a good holiday pack. I don't suggest anybody buy it. Just get yourself some regular Bud Light, get some lemonades, get the regular seltzers, anything but this. Honestly, mm. yeah, I'm um, not happy about that. But Cody, with that being said, there is some some good news. Yep. Um, you know, um, I think it's the only news we have, but I noticed it the other day. Um. You know, we we have our feelings and thoughts about My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission. Uh, watch uh, watch last week's episode or listen to last week's episode if you want to hear our full review on that. But it's making money, Cody. It's cleared ten million at the domestic box office. Like, that's good. Yeah, that's good for anime in general, really. Yeah, it's good, exactly. I I'm I love My Hero. I can't I can't stress that enough. So I'm glad the movie's successful, and I'm glad people that liked it liked it. And I'm glad it's making money, but I, I don't want to watch it ever again. Yeah, definitely not one I'm going to be purchasing on like Blu-ray or anything anytime soon. But um, unless it comes in a three-disc collection with the other two, and then it's just going to sit in the back of the Blu-ray disc box. 
Yeah, they'll do what they did for the second movie, Chris. They'll put a Funko Pop that comes with it, and I'll be like, oh, damn it, he got me. <laughs> that's, that's, where they, that's where they get you, man. That's where they get you. That's Oh, you know, how do we sell this shitty movie? Let's put a Funko Pop in it. Oh, Chris, we also apparently have a One Piece live action. Yes, okay, no, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it's on. It's going to be on Netflix. Um, really? Cast I'd... looks fine. Chris, I was just scrolling Twitter to try and find some more news for us to talk about, and I had to see One Piece live action. Yeah. Looks like yeah, I remember seeing that briefly the other day. I don't know why. I should have pinged you on that, but, like, cast looks fine. I mean, it's One Piece. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. At least it's a series, Maybe. like... Yeah, can't, can't maybe it'll tell us the story in like a, a, a three hundredth of the time it's taking us to tell this story. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to manage that, but we'll see. One Piece is something that I'll eventually tackle at some point in my life, but... Uh... Yeah, it's just, it's too much. Like, that, I mean, honestly, that's how I feel about stuff like Naruto and Dragon Ball. Like, it's, that, that stuff I'm going to, like, have to put on as background noise and not pay attention to. You know what I mean? But, like... I've watched all of Dragon Ball. I've watched. I haven't watched all of Naruto. I haven't watched all of One Piece. Like I've watched some of it, so I could probably skedaddle through like the first couple of story arcs. But yeah. then it's like there's so much more. Yeah, it, it is a lot to deal with. But um, and I guess we could talk about this. You know, a little. Speaking of Naruto, Chris, we got a Naruto Fortnite crossover. So, you know, just more. Well, they got to do something since uh <laughs> since they uh. Just more eyes on on anime, I guess. Absolutely. You know, since they had the old the old Travis Scott thing, so maybe they got to find yeah. something else to. Yeah, they got to do something to distract 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 us from that thing. Jesus. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, but no, that's fine. Like the more anime exposure, the better. Like I'm all about it. Yeah, and speaking of Netflix live actions, we also have the Cowboy Bebop one coming out in eight days. So yeah, we'll be, a uh, week. Really looking forward to that, man. Gonna try my yeah, hardest to not immediately dive into it before we like cover it for the podcast, but mm-hmm. no promises. Look, <laughs> yeah, if you do, I, I I won't blame you. And also too, right? Like I am staying away. Like if people have opinions on it, or they're like, "Oh, this looks great," or "It doesn't look good," I'm just like, "Yep, I'll, I don't want to tell. I don't want to know anything. I'm I want to go in ice cold." Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I want to be able to like form the opinion while I'm watching it, and because I mean it's. It, it's got it aesthetically. It looks great, but it's very much a fragile. It's a fragile work of art that they have, and you, you breathe on it the wrong way, it's gonna just crumble. So, <laughs> yeah. And then one more last bit of news. I've mentioned this show or this manga on the podcast before. It's called mm-hmm. Platinum End. Uh, mm-hmm. It's made by the creators of Death Note. It has begun okay. airing as of October eighth, so they're about six oh, episodes in. So. Definitely something I'll keep an eye on for whenever, you know, like the first season finishes or whatever. Yeah. I don't It'll know. Be our I... niche reporter on the streets. Yeah, I don't know much about the show outside of just seeing, like, images, but... Mm-hmm. Looks pretty interesting from from the images. Um, but, yeah, that's all the news we got for this week. And, uh, Chris, I think it's time we uh, rewind the clock back to the old 90s and dive into some yeah, Trigon, man. Indeed, let's take it back to 1998, and of course we are talking about the Smash anime hit, Trigun. Now, Trigun, I believe, start. Uh, I want to say the, the manga started running in 97, oh no, 96? No, 95, it was 1995, and it was adapted to anime, I want to say, in 1998. Um, 
And I remember having the VHSs. I want to say it was 2000, 2001 when it was out here in the States. Um, and then it started being aired on uh, Adult Swim in 2003. And this was, you know, a couple years after I had already seen it. I, I was like, oh, I've seen Trigun. I got all the VHSs right there. And I loved the VHS covers, by the way. They were all so fucking slick, like holographic front. Like, they were so good looking. But, you know, it is a very, very solid anime. I want to say it has 26 episodes. Um, and we've cut it into two halves. Uh, this week we are covering episodes one through twelve. Um, now, Cody, this ep- this uh, like we had said, I think there is uh, some pacing issues here. Um, but just to, I mean, you can honestly kind of sum up the first, you know, four or five episodes. The the whole idea is there is this mysterious outlaw this this legendary gunman who has a the most absurd bounty on his head um we're talking 60 billion double dollars which is you know, double dollars is the currency on this planet um so and the bounty comes from him destroying a city um so but the problem is like you know, what we're kind of presented right off the bat here is like no one knows what he looks like, who he is. It's all you hear a lot of these. Well, I hear he's a tall man. I hear he's this. I hear he's that. He's blonde. He's got blonde hair. He carries a big rifle. Uh, well, no, he's he's seven foot tall and carries a uh, he has a mohawk and carries a boomerang or you know he he he's got purple eye. You know, it's always something that like none of the stories add up. But so. Yeah, we don't exactly have like a wanted poster with his exact image. Exactly. On it. Well, yet I should. But... Exactly, and um, so of course our store, our op- we open in like this little small town. I think what Dankin Town, I think is what it's called, or um, but we were there's this little tavern with people talking, and of course all of a sudden it is met with a hail of gunfire, um, because this this band of outlaws looking for Vash the Stampede think they found. It. And well, this the this this saloon is just obliterated except for him like sitting at like the bar and he turns around and pulls out his gun, then you hear the gunfire, then it cuts to uh our other main characters who were introduced to, uh Millie and Merrill. They are and, and Cody, like I was saying earlier today, I relate so much more with these char- uh these characters now than I ever have because I kind of do what they do. They're um they work for the Bernardelli Insurance Society. Basically, their job is to track down Vash the Stampede and try to minimize the damage he can cause. Because if you know anything about insurance, it's all about risk assessment. <laughs> and they're getting to a point where they're not going to be able to pay out on any claims for by damage caused by Vash the Stampede. So basically, they need to wrangle him up so he doesn't cause any more damage. And... Like that's that's really their whole shtick, and they kind of get um they get caught up in the middle when they uh when they get caught between um the these gangs going after this person, and we're met right off the bat here, Cody, with some good comedy. Like we see, we it flashes back to what happened, and they're they're searching for you know they're searching for you know our our character here, which we're just gonna we all know he's Vash. We're just gonna call him. We the Watcher know he's Vash. So. Yeah. They're searching for Vash, and he's like underground. Like he just buried himself in the sand and knocks out one of the guards. And then they flash back to how we got there. 
know, they've all got their guns pointed at him, and he pulls out his gun and starts shooting off. <laughs> He's fucking out of ammo. So, like, it's we 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 kind of start seeing that Bash is just kind of an kind of a dork. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah he's definitely, our, he's our main character and our comic relief all in one, honestly. Yeah, he's very much a dork. And um, so, of course, you know, we talk about, you know, nobody knowing what Vash the Stampede looks like. And the insurance girls hear a rumor that he's, you know, he, they hear the rumor that, oh, he's, he's got a mohawk. He has a big boomerang. He's 10 foot two. He has a robot arm, which matches the description of the leader of this gang that is currently pursuing Vash. So when. Millie and Merrill catch up. They think he's Vash the Stampede, so they're ready to, like, hey, you know, they, they offer him, like, donuts, and they want to, like, hang out with him, but, of course, he fucking strings them up immediately. And, uh... Well, then, uh, well, I was going to say, then from there, another guy who is also potentially Vash, because he has a red coat, but it's on the inside, and a large rifle and blonde hair. Oh, you're so, talking, talking about old Loose Ruth. <laughs> loose Ruth, that's right. What a shitty candy bar, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like a baby Ruth you would leave in your dashboard on a hot summer day. That's but, right. <laughs> so so those two like so the gang and Loose Ruth start fighting each other and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not Vash, you're not Vash. I think this guy is. So they kind of team up to take out actual Vash. Um, but of course he very handily gets the best of them with zero casualties, by the way. Yeah, which is a big a big thing for him. We'll come to find out as we go on. He never try. He tries his best not to have anybody be injured or killed or anything yep. like that. And what's crazy is like everybody's surprised that he he manages to take out this whole gang without a single shot. And like, so the seed starts getting planted for for the people in the show. That is this is is this guy Vash? There's no fucking way. So that is literally the crux of like the next five episodes, because from here on, it's literally just, are you Vash? No. Well, now they end up meeting Vash and Millie and Merrill end up meeting in different towns. There's a different caper that involves somebody who isn't Vash or making people think, making people believe that Vash is there, but it's somebody else. And Vash ends up saving the day. And as that happens, Millie and Merrill start to understand that, oh shit, this is really Vash the Stampede. Like, I'm going to blaze through these next couple episodes. Like, episode two, there's a, there's a guy in a town who's got a monopoly on water. Someone's trying to kill him. You think it's Vash. It's not. It's a girl with blonde hair who is wearing red. But the, the guy, Cliff Cesar, hires Vash to be his bodyguard um, to try to kill the person. But the whole idea was, since Vash is there everybody's left town. They're like, oh shit, Vash is here. We're all, we all need to skip town. But we also find out too, the person who hired Vash is actually a terrible person. He's monopolizing the water. You know, he's the only, everybody else in the town is, is, you know, dying of thirst. And he's, you know, he's just reaping all the benefits. And it's, I want to say it's, it's his daughter. Or I'm trying to remember if it's his daughter or his daughter isn't the blonde lady. The blonde lady. Yeah, Mar like, it's Marianne. Um, yeah, Marianne's like a uh, she's like a daughter or granddaughter of like some some rich dude. Um, yeah. But basically, Vash and him kind of have a standoff at one point, and mm -hmm. I want to say like the bullet deflects and causes all the water to like, yep. bust out, and then everybody in the town gets their water back, and you know Cliff Caesar's kind of just defeated. Um, Yep. 
And, uh, and of course, you know, Marianne, who had all, immediately has the wrong idea about Vash, thinking, oh, why would you, uh, why would, uh, you know, why, if you're a good guy, why are you following this guy? Cliff Cesar is a bad guy. Like, you know, we're, he's monopolizing the town. But when he, when she realizes that Vash is not a bad guy, you know, they, they kind of have a little thing, but, you know, like they, obviously it never, it never pans out. Vash is, one of the things that they rumor in the first episode is that oh, Vash is the worst kind of womanizer, and Vash loves him the ladies in almost a creepy kind of way, in a very anime kind of way. Oh yeah, and he he he's very terrible at, at pulling girls. That's that's for damn oh, sure. Oh dude, he has uh, got no <laughs> game. Yeah, and then going into episode three, we kind of get our 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 drunk episode, really, Chris. Uh, yeah, that... the classic. There's a drunk guy who's fallen from grace, and I actually really like this episode because I love the story we're, we're introduced to a, the town drunk named Frank Marlin, who basically kind of had a fall from grace. Um, he, he created weapon. He's a gunsmith. He created the weapon. He created weapons to help defend the town from bandits and outlaws. And basically has, you know, caused the town to have peace. But what they're, they're, what turned him the way he is, is his wife and, Kid were murdered at a bank uh, during a bank robbery, and the weapons used by the bank robbers were not only his guns, but he actually personally gave them the weapons to do it, not knowing they were going to rob a bank. Yeah, yeah, kind of a tragic story there. Yeah, so I mean, definitely, and, and I find some of the best stories are told through like the tra- somebody's tragedy, right? Yeah, I hate to be that guy, but like it's the most compelling story and we, we kind of get to see his redemption. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is another time where like you have a person trying to act. This is like the first time I think we see the criminals try to act as Vash the Stampede and try to use that towards their own benefit against like, you know, other criminals and like city folk and everything like that. Yeah. Just because I think the town, this is the town that doesn't have a sheriff. Like, so there's not really much, um, there's no real, like no, no real law in the town. Exactly. And I love I love how they get the bad guys. Like Vash kind of has like the standoff with him and uh, he's got like the old gun in the pocket like an old eight, 80s bank robber and Frank Marlin, you know, has he he sneaks up behind the bad guy. He's trying to be Vash and like hits him with the old finger gun. And uh, you know, obviously the guy panics and the, the the bad guys run off. And I love the line. It's like it wasn't even loaded. And Vash pulls his finger out of his pocket and is like sure wasn't. So like there's that cool like you know, the old the old finger gun trick it it, it gets them every time Cody <laughs> yep but then of course um at what the, you know the big thing here is you know Frank Marlin fixes Vash's gun because Vash's gun I guess is just a piece of shit like it's it's off by like three meters or something like that or ten meters and uh, so Frank like fixes it up like replaces the bear like just does all kinds of stuff to fix it to make it better and that's kind of like his parting gift as they get hammered drunk at the end of the episode and Vash just pukes all over the place. Well, Frank Marlin gave up the booze now that he's had a chance to redeem himself. So Vash was drinking on his own and got hammered. Yeah, Vash had himself one too many maple pear Bud Light seltzers and uh, (laughs) pain. (laughs) And then we go to the next episode, kind of the same thing. They find themselves in another town. They meet up with Vash. Um, we, they get caught up in the town's troubles. Basically there's a hostage situation. Uh, the, I guess the, the mayor or the Earl of the town, um, what was his name? Uh, Bostock, mayor Bostock, um, 
he, he, you know, his daughter's been kidnapped by these so-called outlaws that we get this classic trope, Cody, where like the people we think are the bad guys are actually the good guys and the people in power are the bad guys. Um, basically, the sheriff, Stanley, and this guy, uh, Grim Reaper Bostock, used, they, um, the, the bandits, their families were these farmers and pioneers who, who, who finally got the soil fertile in this desert town they lived in in order to grow crops. And, well, this band of outlaws led by Bostock comes in and just murders the fa- murders everybody and just takes over the land. Very, very classic Wild West stuff. He also, so also claims to be also claims to be Vash the Stampede once again. Of course, the classic. <laughs> so, of course, you know, and and of course, the girl being held hostage. You know, she's that rich, privileged white girl. You know, daddy's gonna save me. Daddy, this, daddy, that, and then she like realizes that her dad's a piece of shit, and she finds out that the story's true. So, uh, of course, Vash saves saves the day, gets the bad guys without killing anybody. As once again. And, um, you know, they strip the sheriff of their power and happily ever after. You know, this is where he, he makes the sheriff repeat that the world is made of love and peace. Yep. That's pretty much the only takeaway from for this episode is his yep. love and peace line. Um, and then we uh, we go into the next monster of the week. But this uh, this part right here kind of sets us off over the next couple of uh, the next few episodes because they're where they're at they're they're in this town for a while so bash is hanging out having food at a diner um he gets you know band of villains come in trying to get the bounty on his head bash makes quick work at him with a dart gun without you know just a little fucking sticky dart gun without killing a soul they run off well they think they got him but like he's he like broke a jar of tomato juice and it spilled all over him so they you know they you know they thought he was dead but he wasn't but yeah, yeah, it was what just, happens just is, ketchup, wasn't blood, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, of course, when the town finds out that it is Vash to Stampede, they all are like, "Hey, man, we really need this money, so please yeah. just come quietly." Yeah, everybody, even like the waitress, pulls a gun on him. It's like, come on, man. He just like he just saved your restaurant, basically. Mm-hmm. But no. Yep. And uh, well, so the whole town's trying to get him, and then uh, well, the the sheriff of this town made a. Very big mistake. They um released the Nebraska Brothers, which is gigantic ass Goseth, and uh, the little uh, the little doctor guy. I don't remember what his name is, but Goseth is the big guy. I don't know what the little guy's name is. Yeah, it's the um, it's the Nebraska family, not brothers. I think yeah. they're it's actually like a father son. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But the father had clearly done some like some kind of experiments on his son because the son's just like this oh, yeah. giant like. Part robot. He, he, you can clearly tell he's been he's been experimented on, to say the least. Yeah, and they're not good people. They will kill people and not even think twice about it. And of course, Vash is sitting there trying to save the town. The Nebraska family is. They don't give a shit. They'll kill anybody to try to get Vash. And you know, like they're. I don't know. And they really get inside of Vash's head, calling him a hypocrite. They're like, "There's no way you haven't killed anybody. That's why you've got that bounty on your head." So don't be hypocritical to us when we're killing people to get that bounty. And I guess that sets Vash off because uh, he makes super short work of the like with just six bullets. Yeah, I believe so. And this is like really the first time he like uses his gun to like, you know, to really like, fight on back. somebody. Yeah, and they also pissed him off because they were using like hostages, not hostages, but like the townsfolk that were harmed, civilians. and like Vash was like putting them in. To safety and like everybody's trying to kill Vash at this point, mm-hmm. but he's still saving lives. 
and they're trying to use them as like bait and uh mm-hmm. you know pisses Vash off makes kind of quick work of him but or quick work of them excuse me but we, this also like we kind of start to question you know what happened in Vash's past at this point you know yeah. like why does he have this bounty cuz it's kind of been like brushed over a little bit like we've heard that he's destroyed these cities but then as we watch the show it's not really him destroying the cities it's just him trying to not die like yeah he's he's like in the wrong place at the wrong time is what it seems like like he's he like all of the damage that's being done is 100% not done by him mhm yeah so it's wild to see and this is at the episode where Millie and Merrill fucking finally realize oh wow this is Vash the Stampede thank goodness chris cuz i was driving myself nuts i was just like Will you guys just accept it? Like this is the guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So they accept that he is Vasta Stampede, and they kind of choose to just, you know, keep on following him, keep on doing their job. Yep. They found their target basically, and uh, they're gonna try to minimize uh, the damage is done. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then it leads us to our next episode, which is probably the most boring one of the bunch. Uh. This is where, uh, obviously, the town, you know, they defeat the Nebraska family. Vash basically gives the reward for the Nebraska, which was like $700,000, like, just gives it to the town. Divides it all up amongst the town, so the town's very happy. So, then now they, you know, now they got this money, they can hire the engineers to fix the power plant, which they arrive on this really cool, like, kind of steam, and that's the thing, the aesthetic of this show is very, like, steampunkish. So, mm-hmm. you know, this, this crazy, like, stand steamer comes through. And, um, so of course, um, the engineer that comes off the boat is, um, is, you know, she's very, very beautiful. And of course, Vash immediately gets a big old boner for her. And, um, so what does she do? She hires Vash as her bodyguard. Um, well, the only problem is, of course, there's somebody out to get her. And, um, there's this villain, another throwaway villain. He's a guy with a mask and like claws on his legs and arms and, you know, Vash just kind of handily beats his ass all the time and um well we find out here cody the uh the woman who is who hired vash as their bodyguard is also the woman who hired the other guy to kill vash um so apparently vash no go ahead this felt like a lot like episode two where like vash gets hired by a bad person to keep away from other bad people oh turns out everybody's bad and then vash just kind of gets stuck right in the middle of the mess Yep, and uh, basically, you know, she was a survivor of, uh, I guess it was called, the uh, July was the city that was destroyed by Vash that put the bounty on his head. Um, so there were people that survived, but they all ended up starving, and that's what happened to her parents. So she, when she found out it was Vash the Stampede there, she wanted to kill him. But what's what's really crazy, and this is where we get more of, like, the mystery to Vash, is like, you know, but she's like, how are... She she kind of has this moment where it's like that this can't be you. Right? You still look the same. How do you still look the same thirty years later? Like he hasn't aged a day. Yeah, and he really has no like recollection. Yeah, of he this. Can't remember. He just remembers being like a child, and then like present day, and like he doesn't remember like yeah, much was, of the yeah, middle. Yeah, it was like the child. Yeah, I think he said he remembers childhood, and then the at the day after the explosion or something like that. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty- a big gap there. Yeah, pretty much just adds a little bit more to the mystery, although we got to watch 20 minutes of a very boring episode to get to yeah, it. Yeah, this one was the worst. Well, Cody, thankfully they really spin this ship around because the next two episodes are, I think, the best episodes of the first half. We have Vash and Gang. Uh, they're on the sand steamer. Basically, uh, you know, they're leaving town, going to the next stop. 
Um, Vash is on the steamer, and, well, of course, Millie and Meryl are in tow because, well, they have to, like, they, they almost miss the steamer, but they have to get, like, jobs on the steamer to get on there. So, like, it's really cool how, like, how they find themselves in these situations. But, um, of course, they, you know, there, there's a lot happening on this steamer, Cody, because it's about to get hijacked by the, uh, I believe they're called the BDN, uh, BDN gang, or the... Um, yeah, the Brilliant Dynamite what? Neon, yeah. I believe, is, or... There's them, and then there's also the... Oh, the Badland Gang. They're called the Badland Gang, and he's uh, yeah. Brilliant Dynamite Neon is their leader. That's right, that's right. Love the character design here, man. Like, I love the giant, like, dynamo shoulder pad, like the cowboy hat. Like, he looks like a fucking JoJo character. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> now that you say that, <laughs> I can definitely see that. Um, but yeah, we're also introduced to Kite, I believe is his name. Yeah, Kite. He, Vash finds him, like, up in the vents... And he's basically like a stowaway kid. Um, mm-hmm. We come to find out that his father actually built this, yep. this like sand. What is it called? The sand steamer. The sand steamer. Yep. Yeah. And basically, he's just he's been like staying with his grandma and his like uncle, and he's like mm-hmm. they've been beating him and treating him horribly. So he basically is trying to run away on this sand steamer, or so we so we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I want to say there's uh they're after something on this steamer. Uh, there's something I want to say, like in, in a safe on the steamer. That they're they're after something. Like the Badland gangs, they they want. Um, I can't remember if it's like money or if it's. Uh... Yeah, there's like some big vault, and yes, you know, yes. Supposedly there there's money or there's something behind there, right? Yep. And ah. kites is there. Uh, is how they were able to hijack the thing. Like kites was their inside inside man. Yeah, it turns out kites was actually kind of working for these evil guys. Um, and also in this... they paid him. Yeah, and then these two episodes, seven and eight, kind of go together. Um, yep. But we also get to see Vash. He like has a dream of a girl named Rim, and yep. this is clearly someone from his past, and like a and like a, a girlfriend that must have passed away or something. Like mm-hmm. the way they they set it up, at least. Um, but we'll we'll see a little bit more of her as we as we kind of go forward. But this is the first, I believe, the first time we've seen her. Yep. And uh, so the the where the cliffhanger is is basically uh, you know they're they're. They say they can't get into the vault, so um, BDN's like, well, we're just going to have to crack it open, so uh, you, I want you to drive this vehicle all the way to that gigantic precipice, and uh, full steam ahead. So basically his plan is to just ram this bitch into a, off a cliff and crack the vault that way. We're just doing it, doing it the hard way, Cody. Yeah, I feel like this is a little bit extreme, honestly. <laughs> hey, BDN is not a sane individual. He is uh, definitely, he, he he's all about flash and style. And he's like, you know, he's like, and if you're not prepared to go out with style, why the hell bother? You know what I mean? Like, he, he is definitely a fucking Mountain Dew chugging, fucking <laughs> jerking off to snowboard videos kind of extreme. Oh, man. Yeah, he, like, it just doesn't make much sense. Like, it's like if you want to get your trunk open, but the trunk won't open. And, like, he's just like, well, why don't you just crash the car? Like, why don't just rip out the back seat and get in that way? Yeah, just a very, very extreme. Um, but basically, they lose control. And now they're trying to, like, you know, the emergency brakes aren't working, of course. Um, I don't know. And Vash, of course. You I, know, I know Vash, Vash and him have a duel at one point. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it ends. But getting to that point, like, um, you know, Vash Heights, you know, agrees to help, and Vash kind of forces them to help, um, by like basically telling him it's like we got to do this. Oh, and by the way, you're fucking helping because you got us into this mess. Um, but as he's going to get to the control room, the the bridge where uh, where uh, BDN is, 
couple of guards attack him, and Vash actually ends up getting shot and ends up shooting two of the guards. And he's like, oh, shit. You know, it was not supposed to happen this way. And, like, he's he stops and is like, and he's like, you know, we got to save them. We got to help them. And the kid's like, what what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, they were going to kill you. And also, there's, I want to say prior to that, Vash has this, it looks like a pen or like a communicator. And Kites is like, what are you doing with this old dead technology? Who are you? You know what I mean? Like for, I think he calls it ancient technology or forbidden technology. Yeah. And he's like, just who are you? Yeah. Of course, Vash doesn't answer. Yeah. He's definitely questioned some of the things that's going on with Vash, especially like him applying first aid to the enemy. Like as soon as he just Mm -hmm. shot him, like that, but it just adds more to his character. Like he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Um, yeah, he eventually yep. comes face to face with BDN. Yep, and of course, Mer- Mel- Millie and Merrill are not alone. So, uh, you know, they're disguised as BDNs. Uh, they- they're they've infiltrated his army. So, of course, they're able to take the pressure off of Vash a little bit because they. I mean, he gets to the bridge; they've all got guns locked on him. So, what do they do, Cody? Like you said, they have themselves a duel. If uh, if Vash wins, you know, they'll stop the steamer and they'll they'll leave. But if uh, BDN lives, they're all going to die. And, of course, our boy Vash gets the job done. Um, yeah. and Which is crazy because, like, he does it without killing BDN, and BDN doesn't even actually shoot Vash. Like, Vash's wound comes from him already being shot, and he, like, opens it up while they're dueling. Yeah. Like, he easily could have killed BDN, but and I think BDN actually realized it, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He definitely knows that he he was a dead man if he would have actually, you know, tried. Um, exactly. So of course, they go to try and stop the thing. It's not working. Um, but our boy Kite knows about, like, the the secret emergency stop or something. Yeah, like the valve that you open up and it releases the pressure and stops the brakes or something like that. Yes. Which, of course, he ends up, like, burning himself trying to, you know, that scene where, like, oh, I got to open up the valve, but it's so hot, you can't be in there. Yeah, so, no the way. kid's, like, willing to, like, sacrifice himself for this. Um, of course, yeah. they stop right as right before the stand steamer goes off the cliff. Yeah, because it wasn't just because of that. Our man BDN actually uh, helped slow it down. He, like, crashed his thing into it to kind of, like, stop it. But, it like, it's like, of course, it stops hanging halfway off the ledge. And... BDN's like, you know, don't don't thank me too much for this, because next time I see you, we are going to have that duel, and you're going to be a, I am going to take your life. You can you can count on that. But yeah, and then uh, his way of saying thank you for not killing me. Yeah, and then of course we wake up the next day, and uh, you know, kite, he's not dead. He's he's alive. He's all right. His burns are patched up and everything. Mm-hmm. And then yep. I want to say him and Vash just say their little goodbyes. And then yep. on his way, he goes. Indeed. And then the next episode, we are introduced to my favorite character in the show. We are introduced to a traveling priest. Um, I want to say they're, um, they're, this episode takes up, they're actually on a bus heading to May City. Um, this is where they were they were picked up by this bus after the seamer had stopped. Um, so... <laughs> You know, and of course, Vash pays for everybody's bus fare. And, you know, this is just a great um, thing. And they actually find themselves another, I guess, a um, a, a body out there who is probably going to end up dead if he stays out in the desert. And they find uh, this traveling priest, uh, Nicholas D. Wolfwood. Um, just a fantastic character. And I'm glad he's in here throughout the show. And, of course, you know, he, you know, 
you know, they say this is Vash the Stampede, or they, they introduce Vash as Vash the Stampede, but he says his name is like fucking like Valentina Alcamella Zephagabla. Yeah, just some real stupid the third. Yeah. And I want to say Millie and Merrill actually like let it slip that he's Vash at some point. Yeah. And he's like, I hate it by you when you call me by my full name. And it's like, what the fuck was that you just said? <laughs> And I love when they they get off the, the bus stops so they can uh, you know stretch their gams for a minute. And uh, Wolfwood has his traveling confessionals, like it's a little like fucking church thing. He puts on people's heads and they put a coin in the top. Like, hey, it's how he makes his money. Um, but you also do find that like Wolfwood is actually a really really good person because while they're on the bus, there's a mother and two kids that like they don't have anything. They're, the kids are starving. They're all in tattered clothes, so, like, Wolfwood walks up to him, and he's got, like, three little, like, I guess, like, they're called, like, meal blocks. And he's like, well, this one's for you, pointing to the kids. This one's for you, and well, this one's for me. And, like, while he, this is where, like, him and Vash kind of get to know each other, and while he, like, he uh, he does that, and, like, Vash is just, like, ear-to-ear grinning. And, like, Wolfwood has the line, and he's like, man, I'm surprised you can smile like that. He's like, well, um, he's, he's like, because you have me worried, because, you know, that that smile you have is very friendly, but like you are very, very empty on the inside. Like you are hurting on the inside. And I know, I know you are, but you grin and bear it. Um, and that like, it's so funny that like, you know, he was able to pick that up and, uh, Vash was like, and he's like, what do you want to talk about it? Try my confessional. Like he has to get Vash with like the fucking confessional booth, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And then of course, Chris, out of nowhere, they get attacked by these like, I don't even know what to call them. They're like droids, I guess. Like yeah, these spider just, droids. Like definitely. Yeah. I didn't expect this kind of technology for this old like Western anime, yep. but uh, I, yep. I guess and, they're uh, they're part of that like ancient like ancient technology or lost technology, whatever you want to call it. That it, Kite was exactly. talking about. So we're building on that kind of throwaway line from the last episode, and they end up they a passenger's being attacked. They end up jumping in to save the day, but actually end up getting sucked into some quicksand. And uh, there's this, like, underground, like, base. Like, there's this building that's, like, all computers and futuristic and technology. And, uh, well, Vash knows what to do with it. Yeah, and they, I think they actually mentioned that it's, like, an alien spaceship or something. And Vash, like, he goes into, like, this, I, I would guess it's, like, the control room. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a bunch of lights and metal, and he just, like... Touches around on some of the keypads and everything shuts down and all the robots are turned off, basically. Yeah, and he says this line where he's like, it's okay, there's nobody for you to protect anymore. So you're like, wait a minute, what what does that mean? What is that? And then, again, this is another moment where they're building upon, like, Vash's past. Like, oh, well, who well, who the fuck is he now, you know? Right. Yeah, And, we and also... my favorite line. No, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'll say my favorite line in the whole show is in this episode. When they get to the town... They're loading all the stuff off the bus, and the two guys have Wolfwood's giant cross, and uh, they throw it down to him, and they're like, hey, mister, this thing's heavy. What, what's in there? He's like, well, they say, like, hey, mister, this thing's heavy, and he's like, that's because it's so full of mercy. He just <laughs> puts it on his shoulder and just walks on. Yeah, and I guess we could also mention, like, we see Wolfwood can, he can fight, too. He's no, he's no slouch. He is no slouch, yeah. He is definitely, uh, he, he is definitely, you, you get the vibe right off the bat. He is definitely more than what he seems, and learn more about that in the second half of the show. 
So next episode, uh, we're back. We're back to kind of our monster of the week thing. Um, but this time we have like a uh, like a quick draw tournament. Um, of course, Vash and Wolfwood are there at the finals. Um, but then there's like these uh, there's these families, the son and daughter that run away, or there's this son and girlfriend that run away, and well. They they get caught having to fight some people. This this episode sucks too. I think you're mixing you're actually mixing two episodes into one, Chris. But he, they both do suck. You're right. Um, yeah. This one there's like a woman who's like held hostage, and uh, so like Wolfwood and Vash actually kind of have to face off, and they like they like fake win, and then Wolfwood basically says, "Hey, you're still gonna give me that money, like for the prize money or whatever." Uh-huh. They defeat the bad guy that's holding the family hostage, and oh uh, uh, okay. But no, that and then coming into the next episode, they're like traveling with this caravan, and mm-hmm. Wolfwood and Millie kind of go off on their own. Now, Millie's looking for something. I can't even remember what she wants. Um, but she goes with what Wolfwood, and what they run she? into Moore, who is this like dancing girl. Well, I know Millie wants pudding in this episode. That's all I know. She's maybe all about some pudding. Maybe it's pudding that she's looking for. Oh, yeah, that's right, because she like drops it when she's uh like talking to Wolfwood. Okay. Um, but there's more. She's this like dancing girl, and there's Julius, and they're basically trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Um, they got like bad guys coming after him, of course. Oh yeah, Fonderik. Fonderik is the bad guy in this one. Old fucking random ass Fonderik. Oh, was that his name? Couldn't I couldn't yeah. have said that if I watched the episode right now, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like all the bad guys basically in every episode. Yeah, and it's basically like Julius is the son of the the caravan. Like the the owner of the caravan and him and Moore want to run away together. Mm. Um, turns out the caravan's pretty crooked. Like they're like actually just trying to like transport slaves and turn like young women into slaves and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously they have their sights set on Moore and Julius being like his her her like little boyfriend. You know they want to escape together, and Bash basically kind of fakes their death so they can escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up shooting like rubber bullets to get Julius and more out of there. Um, uh-huh. Millie thinks that they, he really killed him, like, and so does Wolfwood. Like everybody, like, thinks that Vash just killed these two kids. Oh my gosh, how could he do uh-huh. that? And then Wolfwood's like, oh, he realizes that he shot him with rubber bullets. So. Yep. Turns out Vash is not a bad guy. Of course, once again, he's just caught up in. Way too much. All the other people's drama, pretty much, and uh, and and really, this is an episode like you learn a lot about Millie in this episode. That's kind of the big thing here, like getting getting some in. Like Millie is a lot like Vash, which is like, I guess why Vash doesn't mind having her around because um she's just kind of, she's not. I don't want. She's not dumb. Like they're her and Meryl are both very intelligent, but like Millie is so nice, and. Hates to see bad things happen to anybody, you know. And I guess that comes from her, like having. So she's like the seventh. She's like the youngest in a family of like seven kids and shit like that. So, yeah, yeah. She's uh, and, then, uh, and she has some drinks of her own too. She gets pretty drunk in the one episode. Oh man, she's got a separate stomach for cake and ice cream, Cody. <laughs> yeah, and then Chris, we actually get to the. I, I this is actually my favorite. I think. Oh man, what a great episode! Because Cody, we are introduced to. We we're we're kind we're for the most part done with the monster of the week half of this show, um, with the exception um, and I'll I'll put the spoiler out there now episode thirteen is pretty much a recap episode. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll episode rush. twelve. 
We'll talk about that a little bit, but episode 12 is really where it really starts oh, to pick man. up. Yeah, we are introduced to a couple of pretty major characters. Well, one major character and the precursor or the first member of this group of villains that we're going to be uh, hanging out with here. Um, so this episode opens up with like, uh, I want to say um, we see, I want I can't remember if this is how it starts with Legato, uh, a character that we'll soon to know as Legato Blue Summers. Yeah. Basically yeah, hiring somebody who's been training for 20 years for this call up. You know what I mean? Yeah, and basically he orders them to... They're obviously like two dark, shadowy figures, and then he orders yep. them to, you know, take out Bash the Stampede. And, uh, yep. We can, this, this is Legato hiring Monev the Gale, who we'll, we'll come yep. to know a little bit more here as the episode goes on. But then yep. we kind of... We, we shift gears over to, like, the city where Vash and, like, Marilyn Millie are hanging out, playing with some kids, you know, getting the some ice... The deadly dodgeball head! <laughs> yeah, getting some, getting some ice cream, and Vash is encountered by Legato, who... I don't know how he... They, I don't they, know. They're talking telepathically, by the way. Okay, that's what I thought, but I yeah. couldn't remember like if that was one of his powers or like what he's doing, but Legato's like fucking with Bash's head. Makes it seem like he's like going to hurt this kid in front of him, but turns out he's, he's all like just in his head. Um, and he tells Vash, your, your life is over today. Yeah. Definitely definitely some, some threatening things. And uh, obviously, mm -hmm. he, he kind of shakes Vash. This is the first time we've seen him kind of... It seems like almost break character. Like this is a new side of Vash we haven't seen. Yep, because we 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 mentioned like Vash kind of mentioned like he's thinking of he he he's you know Legato's inside of his head, but there's also a, a mysterious him that's inside Vash's head. Yeah, definitely some some kind of presence there. Um, yeah, of course all and this old... get, all this gets interrupted by uh, the shoemaker's wife of the town, which Vash had actually visited prior mm -hmm. to like playing with these kids. She runs out to the town square, and her husband's been murdered. And of course, mm -hmm. Vash, being like the last one to see him, they you know they yeah. arrest, cuff him, book him. Right. Book him, Dano. Got to be Vash the Stampede. What's he doing in this town? He was the last person to see him. Yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get a well, little. He's not locked up long, Cody. Oh yeah. <laughs> but while he's there, he's like, we get a little some scenes into Vash's head where he's like, kind of thinking about what Legato said, trying to like remember some of his past, like. Clearly, there's a chunk of memory that is missing here, and you know, just adds a little bit more mystery to the to the whole series. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, boy, howdy. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, so yeah, Mona of the Gale shows up, and uh, he is yeah, our first. He member. is a one-man wrecking crew. Yeah, our first member of the Gung Ho Guns, which is indeed. Pretty much the the only exciting villains in this in this show. Well, there's a couple other named characters, but outside of these like boring like villain of the week kind of like saloon guys, like the gung ho guns are the real deal. And uh, you get a pretty cool fight between these two. Um, Monev is definitely like I don't even know how you would describe him. He doesn't look like a, an old western character. No, he's got, like, a mask, he's got, like, Gatling guns around his arms, like, he's got, like, a fucking, like, this dude is armed to the teeth. Yeah, he almost looks like a supervillain, like, with his mask yes, and, yeah. like, his cool purple suit and everything. He has, like, a Metroid Samus kind of vibe, but, like, fucking jacked, and, like, he's, like, he's been training to kill this guy, and, well, like, he is definitely, uh, he is, he is not giving up. 
fuck about who was in the crossfire, by the way, because I think he actually ends up killing a bunch of civilians in this episode, too. Yeah, he does, which ends up being a mistake for him because that just pisses Vash off even oh, more. Oh, boy, that is where he calls Vash, oh, he's got the eyes of the Diablo. <laughs> yeah, and Vash basically has got him down, you know, gun in his eye, like, <laughs> barrel to the Wait, eye. This like... is where we see uh, Vash has a, has a gun for, like, a fucking, uh, like, his hand. Like, it, yeah, it's... It, is, is the, the left hand has got this giant glove that like comes down and like like he's got something happening here, Cody. We didn't know he had this. Yeah, it's like this giant like silver barrel, and then like a little like fake of like a robotic hand coming off to ho- grab the the handle and the trigger of the gun. Uh, very interesting. I don't know how it works, um, but you know he's clearly not not all human. I guess we could say like it like it looks like he's had some work done. You know, he's he's been to the plastic surgeon to get to get this little gun arm thing. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But very very interesting. But of course, Vash being Vash, you know, decides not to kill him, uh, just because that's just how he is. And uh, but you know, you know, he definitely puts Monev in his place. Uh, he's begging for his life and everything. But yeah, it's uh, boy, yeah, he uh, he turns to a baby back bitch real <laughs> quick. When uh when he's got the like gun in, when he's got the gun in his face I don't think you know it's kind of funny because like we we Monev the Gale was this like crazy tough guy and like as soon as he's got the gun in his face like as soon as he's beat he turns to a bitch real quick and Vash doesn't kill him and uh, Monev's like what if I would have gotten up and shot you and uh, Vash was like I never took my finger off the trigger boom so like I almost feel like Vash was ready to fucking kill this guy if he had to yeah yeah he definitely would have if need be um. Yeah, and then that kind of sets us up for this final little episode, which is episode 13. Um, and like you said earlier, this is basically just a, a big, like, recap episode of the first 12 episodes. Pretty much. Uh, it's basically Meryl writing her report back to the Bernadelli Insurance Society, uh, and just kind of yeah. talking about the journey. Honestly, if you don't want to watch the first 12 episodes, you can just watch episode 13. And it yeah, pretty... like, I would say watch 12, then go to 13, because it's worth, it's worth... I mean, truthfully, watch the two episodes with BDN. Yeah. I mean, then I, go to like 12. I, yeah. I still definitely enjoy like episode seven until episode 12. Like I, I enjoy all those episodes. Just the first six are pretty rough and slow. Um, yeah. Episode 13, just like a big recap, you know, and then, uh, they actually go to check on Vash at one point. I think I can't remember if he yells or something like he falls in the shower or whatever it is. Um, but Meryl and Millie go to check on Vash, and we get to see what Vash's, like, body looks like, or part of it at least. And, like, they get to see, like, Vash is just covered in these, like, horrible scars and all these, like, cuts and bruises and bullet holes, all this stuff. And basically this is, like, the price he's paid for, you know, protecting these yeah. people without, or, like, defeating these villains and, like, saving towns without killing anyone. Very interesting. Um, he he is his body is ma- mangled, Chris. It is oh, not, yeah. he is uh, he has seen better days. Yeah, that's not for sure. not a good sight. It looks like he's like been patched back together pretty much. Um, yeah, and yeah, and then they kind of go on their way on onto the next city pretty much, and that's that's where we that's where we leave off here. Yeah, and uh, like we say, the the second half of this thing is action packed. We get to see the rest of the gung ho guns. Um, like I said, I, I still remember all their names. We've got Monev the Gale, Hopart the Gauntlet, Ryday the Blade, Luanov the Puppet Master, um, Kane the Longshot, Mid Valley the Horn Freak, 
Legato Blue Summers? Did I miss one? I don't think so. Oh, Chapel the Evergreen. How dare you, Chris? You missed one. <laughs> and yeah. then we also get the rest of the like the Nebraska family shows up. Yep. And, uh, you know, a lot more interesting uh, villains, to say the least. Um, and obviously we're going to dive more into Vash's backstory. Mm-hmm. And more will be revealed in, in next week's episode of Shonen and Suds. Uh, we'll be covering the final 13 episodes, uh, episodes 14 to 26. And then after that, Chris, we're going to be diving into Badlands Rumble, which is the movie that I believe it takes place before the ending of the show. I want to say like somewhere between like you know like in the twenties. Uh, kind of like how the Bebop, the Bebop uh, mm-hmm. movie, kind of took place right before the end. Yeah, that'll be our next two weeks of the podcast, and then of course mm-hmm. the movie episode will probably release it on Thanksgiving, but we're probably going to record that a little bit earlier just so we can. Yep. Yep. Spend time with the family and all that stuff, but uh, yeah, that's it's eating. It's eating day. That's right. Yeah, so far, uh, for me with Trigun, the beginning's just really slow. If you can get through that, get to like episode seven where BDN shows up, uh, it starts to pick up a little bit. Uh, I'm just really yeah, looking. No, forward. beyond yeah, it, it, this uh, like this second half is so much better than the first half. Yeah, it's just it's just a little slog to get through, and then uh, once the gung ho guns start showing up, it it really starts to pick up. But, uh, yeah, I, overall, I still enjoy the show. I don't know if I'll watch it again. If I do, I'll probably just watch the second half of the show, like down the road. Yeah, start at thirteen and work your way down, or just shit, start at twelve and work your way down. Yeah, just get get the refresher episode, and then watch all the gung ho guns episodes, because that's really where all the exciting stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but again, it's 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 fine. It's better than a lot of stuff that we've watched. But obviously, we'll put it on our rankings next week once we finish the uh, second half. Yep. And then after, but, oh, oh, go ahead. This thing is so gross, dude. This. Oh yeah, this dude. Seltzer's so bad. Every time I take a, a sip of it, I'm I'm not even halfway through it. But I try to like, you know, from talking, doing the podcast, like you need like a drink or something. I don't have a bottle of water here, which is like the biggest misplay I've ever made. Um, cause I go to take a drink of this thinking it's going to taste okay. And just, it's just so bad. I cannot like, do not buy the Bud Light Seltzer holiday packs. Just going forward from now on, you can go with the retros. You can go with the lemonades. Just not, not the flannel, not, this shit. not the flannel collection or whatever the hell this thing is called. It is, uh, it's rough. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, like I'd rather watch the first five episodes of Trigun again than, than drink the rest of this can. <laughs> yeah, half of it's going in the right down the drain, sir. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, we'll have to see what happens to the humanoid typhoon Vash the Stampede next week, guys. Um, Indeed. You guys want to follow along on our social media pages? You can check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Shonen Insuds. We won't have a poll for a little while because the Cowboy Bebop live action is coming out just in time. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, eventually we'll get back to a poll and. Uh, Indeed, I'm excited, man. We got we got some good stuff lined up for the next. Uh, basically, yeah, I mean, you you put this, you posted the schedule, so like everybody knows what's coming up here, basically through the holiday season. Yep, and we we talked about we were gonna do the Spirited Away, I think is what we chose. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just putting a putting a big hold on that because Trigun won the poll. Trigun already has a movie, so it just works out perfectly. And, yep, uh, absolutely. But we'll of course we'll cover all the all the Studio Ghibli movies down the line. So. Um, Look forward to that and look forward to the next episode, guys. I am Cody Snodgrass. 
And I am Chris Adams. As always, thanks for hanging out with us and listening to us ramble about anime. Oh, wait, Chris, we do got to talk. What do we got to talk about? You, 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 What's up? Pump the brakes. Trigun has one of the best intros of all time. We need to, Oh, right? dude. We didn't even yes. talk about that. <laughs> yeah, like the mid the mid episode break is just fantastic. All the like twangy guitar work throughout the episodes. And the the ending theme is a bop too. Yeah, I really enjoy all of all of Trigun's music. It's fantastic. It, it definitely adds so much more to like the the what am I looking for? like the world that they're they're setting up here. Um, but yeah, that that's that's all now. Now we can edit, Chris. You can you can sign us off now. <laughs>